Approximately one in five adults in the United States to this day possess low literacy skills. When I first read this statistic, I was staggered. Beyond that, I didn't really know what it quite meant. Before I started as a novel hand research and writing intern, there was a lot I wanted to learn about the function, importance, and issues surrounding education. Of course, education and access is flawed around the world, but I was unaware of the severity and multitude of problems with the education system in my own backyard. One of the biggest flaws I've learned in the education system in the United States is childhood literacy and the generational effects that illiteracy has on families across the country. So what's the problem? Language is the underpinning of communication, learning, and success in the U.S. and around the world. Despite this, about 34.9 million adults in the U.S. possess low literacy skills, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, also known as the NCES. It's also estimated that children of functionally illiterate adults are 72% more likely to perform at the lowest literacy level. This creates a pattern where generations of families don't have the literacy skills they need to break out of systems of poverty and oppression that come with finding well-paying jobs and integration into society. Because foundational reading comprehension skills begin before children enter the formal education system, those children of low-income families often don't get the tools they need to go ahead and learn to read at the appropriate grade level. The coupling of literacy and poverty in America has created a vicious cycle for the children and adults stuck in it. Just to highlight how severe these issues of illiteracy are in the United States, I've compiled a few statistics on the issue. Among low-income communities, there is on average only one age-appropriate book for every 300 children. 60% of low-income families cannot afford books. In the adult population, between 21 and 23% are at the lowest literacy level defined by the NCES. These adults, along with others who are unable to attain a bachelor's degree, are between two to four times more likely to be unemployed. 43% of adults who live in poverty have low literacy levels. Clearly, the issue of literacy in the United States is widespread and self-reinforcing. So, after I read all these statistics, what I wanted to look at next is what a solution might look like. Clearly, there are a couple different ways that you can look at this. You can either look at it from the childhood literacy perspective or adult literacy, since the issues sort of go hand in hand with each other. What I came to discover is that any solution to the societal problem would have to lower the levels of illiterate adults and children or raise the number of individuals in these groups who read beyond the low-level standards set by the NCES. The next thing I found was that any solution would have to create opportunities for those in these groups so that they won't fall behind and that they gain the reading skills that will lead to fruitful, well-paying jobs in the future. Overall, this lowers the generation of poverty in low-income communities that typically face low literacy rates. Of the solutions I've detailed, the best will engage both educators, parents, children, and community organizations like libraries and other centers to sponsor efforts that will address the issue. Ultimately, the best solution will engage all of these groups together as they are all stakeholders in some way. The first solution I came across has to do with community outreach programs. Lots of people are familiar with the saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. And when it comes to childhood literacy, this statement couldn't be more true. Community outreach programs already play a major role in raising rates of childhood literacy. Without after-school literacy programming and the fundraising that goes along with it, children would not get the enrichment that they need outside of the classroom to sustain the learning that they need to reach higher levels of literacy and achievement. Often, community centers that focus on childhood learning and growth will partner with schools and others to develop these programs, and the results are tangible. 
One organization that strives to increase childhood literacy and education rates is the YMCA. Currently, I'm involved with the YMCA as a scholastic support counselor, which provides support for students who are learning virtually due to COVID. Because of this, I spoke to Aubrey Vinson, who is the Associate Executive Director at the Chapel Hill Carborough YMCA, located in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I spoke to him about some of the ways that the YMCA in Chapel Hill promotes childhood literacy with their programs. At the Y, outreach comes in two main forms, and these are scholarships for affordability and other initiatives like after-school planning and partnering with local schools. Vincent stated that in early stages of education, reading and reading level are each key indicators of student success. Therefore, getting a child's reading level as high as possible is critical, especially when they are in the early stages of their education, like in elementary school and even before that. At the Chapel Hill Carborough YMCA, youth programs that assist in homework completion and general enrichment provide children with the building blocks they need outside the classroom. Along with providing programs like the one I've detailed, funding is also a critical factor. Illiteracy and its generational nature disproportionately affects children growing up in poverty. At the YMCA, collaborating with schools and other organizations to make these programs affordable for the children who need them is how the issues of funding are often addressed. To Aubrey Vinson, this component of relationship building and collaboration is what makes working at the YMCA so rewarding. As he says, everyone is bought in. Overall, community outreach programs are about providing the community and the children it serves with resources that they need. Because there is so much learning that comes outside of the classroom and because early childhood is the time frame when much of this learning occurs, programs that engage more than just schools helps to ensure that more children are getting what they need in order to grow and learn. Additionally, when we can mobilize all of these groups that are, quote, bought in, we can maximize the amount of growth that occurs, especially for the children who aren't getting it from their schools alone. The next solution I discovered in my research is adult literacy programs. Though the benefits of education start at a young age, that is not to say that once adults pass that younger age and fall below literacy standards, that they can't learn the skills they didn't acquire earlier in their academic life. Throughout the country, programs known as Adult Basic Education, or ABE, are settings where adults can learn basic reading and math skills that will help them with meaningful employment and curb the generational effects of low literacy in adults. ABE programs are tailored so that adults who possess low levels of education and literacy can pass a GED test and find meaningful work that requires more than the most basic reading and math skills. Although ABE programs and other similar ones are helpful in the opportunities they provide for the many adults who have low levels of literacy, there are many ways in which these programs can fall short. For one, adult learners who enroll in these programs must enroll voluntarily. Unlike a compulsory K-12 education, adults have to want to enroll. Because of the many stigmas that surround issues like adult illiteracy, even those who successfully complete those programs note how difficult it can be to get started. For example, a man named Robert Hartman from Maine said in an interview with NPR about his motivation to enroll in literacy programs that even filling out the application to a program like an ABE program was a daunting experience. In order to combat barriers like stigma when it comes to adult literacy programs, funding for these ABE programs from governmental and private sector organizations is necessary. Because these programs are voluntary, there is significant variation among how effective these programs are as a whole and how they operate. With that said, the goals of those attending these programs might be very different from the goals of teachers as well as those funding them. In order for programs like these to be effective and impactful on the whole, funding and learning goals must be coordinated and organized.
Research shows that when these goals and efforts are coordinated and students find themselves in a safe and welcoming space to learn, ABE programs have the potential to be impactful solutions to high levels of adults in the United States who do not meet literacy standards. Just like students in childhood education programs who experience a welcoming environment find those programs more rewarding as well. The next solution that I came across in my research was the issue of mitigating absenteeism in schools. Issues like absenteeism affect more than just literacy and are a bigger issue in our education system. However, by addressing this issue, as well as some of the others I'll get into later, we can see some improvements in our literacy standards and rates. Chronic absenteeism occurs when student misses 10% or more of a given school year. Upwards of 8 million students nationwide are missing enough days of school to be considered chronically absent. What's more is that children in poverty are two to three times more likely to be chronically absent than their peers, as they often have other responsibilities other than being a student and a child. When all of these factors come together, it creates an environment where students who miss school experience serious setbacks in their learning. This could include dropping out of high school entirely. In order to increase literacy in the United States, we need to ensure that our students are not only enrolled in school, but that they are attending enough to reap its benefits. There are a few methods that are useful in addressing and mitigating absenteeism. One example is the National Center for Family Learning, also known as the NCFL, model used in Detroit. The model focuses on the relationship building that reduces absenteeism and boosts reading and writing skills. This model essentially focuses on parent involvement in their children's education. When parents conference with teachers, volunteer, or even send an email to their child's teacher, students complete more days of school and at a higher level than their peers not in the program. In Detroit, the NCFL program consisted mostly of families of color whose first language is one other than English. The NCFL program is one example of how creating a positive school environment can reduce absenteeism. Through this program and others like it, students grow more confident in their ability to succeed in school and know they are supported by the adults in their lives. Though absenteeism is certainly an issue that needs addressing in its own right, programs and systems that work to reduce this can also help to increase reading abilities among children in school, as we see with the model I've just described. With that said, reducing absenteeism is only one piece of the puzzle. Another factor that affects childhood literacy and the adult literacy and generational effects that it causes is summer slide. Most students can't wait until May or June when they're let out of school for the summer. For most, it's an important time to relax, go to camp, work, or generally enjoy the sunny and warm weather. However, when students return back to school agreed older, they learn along with their teachers that some review and catching up inevitably has to be done in the first weeks of school. This phenomenon of lost knowledge is known as summer slide. While summer slide affects most school-age children to some degree, it disproportionately affects young children and low-income families. Achievement gaps between income groups can largely be attributed to differences in summer learning. Remember that statistic that there's only one age-appropriate book for every 300 children in low-income families? That statistic is at play here. Achievement gaps between income groups can largely be attributed to differences in summer learning, where middle-income children retain more than their lower-income counterparts. Because literacy levels follow similar trends, reducing learning loss as a result of summer slide can positively affect reading and writing achievement for those groups and contribute to a greater number of kids who surpass low literacy standards. A lot of the solutions that aim to reduce summer slide fall into parent and community members' involvement. For example, it's important to encourage reading of any kind during the summer months for reducing summer slide to be successful. Experiential learning is also a great tool to reduce this problem. 
However, there are lots of parents who can't provide this enriching learning to su- in the summer months due to work or other responsibilities. Therefore, it's important that these programs that help to reduce summer slide are incorporated into community programs that gauge, engage other actors besides students and parents. Many schools use summer reading assignments where students are able to elect which books they would like to read during the summer months to keep their minds engaged. Of course, all the solutions I've detailed are most impactful when they're done in tandem with one another. It seems to me as well that all of these solutions kind of come full circle. Because of the collaboration that it takes for meaningful learning to occur, all of these solutions work best when they are supplemented by others and organized so that students, whether they're children or adults, are getting the most out of them. However, to me, the most impactful programs are those that catch students at a young age and engage the whole community like the ones I've mentioned at the YMCA. Throughout my time as an intern at Novel Hand, something I find myself writing continuously about is the importance of early childhood education and the importance of children feeling supported by their parents, supported by their teachers, and anyone else they encounter while in school. By engaging all of these different groups and finding innovative solutions that target children who are most in need of learning support, I think we have the best hope of reducing the effects and cycles perpetuated by literacy in the United States. I'm Lila, a writing and research intern at Novel Hand. Thanks so much for listening.